Coming up, director Joe Wright and author Kevin Hardcastle. Churchill got a lot of wrong thi- things wrong in his life. Um, but in this particular instance, in this context, in, with this enemy, he understood the perils of um, totalitarianism and Nazism and bigotry and hate, and he resisted. It's, a, it's the same book, it's the same bones of the book, but I and the same sort of plot and everything. But my writing improved over the years as I published more stories, and that led to the book I have now. I think one of the problems I find in contemporary politics is the infantilization of the populace. It also teaches you to get a MacBook and back up your files. <laughs> if you, if, if, if you, if See, you, it was such a touchy, great story. Yeah. Until... Well, I mean, again, I mean, but it's like Wonder Boys. This whole book, book yeah. blows away into the river. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's nice to have a notebook, but you got to back that up. <laughs> yeah. Hey, folks, welcome to the House of Krauss. I'm Richard Krauss. Come on in. Pull up a stool at the bar, have a Negroni, and sit back and listen to the conversations as they fly through the air. A little bit later, Joe Wright will be here to talk about his new film. It's called Darkest Hour. It's getting serious Oscar buzz for its star, Gary Oldman. First up, though, Kevin Hardcastle. He has a website of his own called Pretty Good at Writing Stuff. KevinHardcastle.com. And that title is not misleading. He is an award-winning Canadian fiction writer whose debut short story collection called Debris won the Trillium Book Award in 2016. And he has a new book out now called In the Cage. Here's Kevin Hardcastle. Uh, Kevin, it's been quite a, a, a ride for you in the last little while. Since you first started coming on the show, you've won the Trillium Award. You've got all that stuff going. You're getting a lot of critical praise. The novel is about to hit shelves. How are you feeling right now? I'm f- feeling all right. <laughs> yeah. Mean, it's not too bad. It's, uh, it, it's a process. Are you nervous? Not so much. I mean, I the book's done. I, I mean, you, it's out of your hands, so... Yeah. I'd like it to do well. I mean, everything, I think anyone who's telling you that is, is lying if they say they don't care because you, you do want it to do well. And that's the thing is that there have been some exciting things happening so far, certainly much more at this time before the books come out than there was with my last book. Mm-hmm. Um, but you still have to temper your expectations. You still, you, you still have to, you know, hope that the book actually performs and then you get to keep doing it and more opportunities open up for you, you know, the better the book does. So... I'm optimistic about it. I, you know, ended up with the best book I could have written, which is the most important part. And then we'll just, you know, I'll, I keep doing my part to showing up on the radio before <laughs> just, before noon. And before you will, thank you for that. No problem. So uh, tell me about the book. Um, so the main plot of the book, it's, it's essentially, it's a washed up uh, MMA fighter, a mixed martial artist, cage fighter. Um, and he has, he was a, going to be something like a, you know, a George St. Pierre, people are aware of that in in this country, um, someone who was a next level fighter at a time when the sport was blowing up and then he suffers an injury and he sort of misses his window. So it sort of takes place in the time when he's an older man, not too old, but he would be sort of getting to the end of his prime. And he's back in rural Ontario. He's welding, which is his father's trade. It's something he didn't really want to do and there's not much work. So he's suffering sort of socioeconomic uh, factors that come with that. And he's his other trade at night is he's doing muscle for a local rural crime figure. I mean, beating people up. Yeah, yes. so he's, <laughs> he's sort of, you know, it's one thing where and he has a reputation. So people in this world are sort of, 
you know, he's just sort of a, an enforcer for this guy. Um, and he, it's just about people trying to get by in, in these sort of difficult environments with no work. And John Irving, as I said earlier, uh, said that you've got, you know, a, a, a real feel for this. I won't read the whole quote again, but you've got a real feel for this. Tell me a little bit about where this story came from and what the sort of incubation process was for you. Well, I mean, I, I always wanted to write about mixed martial arts because, you know, there's a, a wealth of hit of boxing literature. Yeah. But MMA to me is even even has more involved. The stories are much more diverse by from the different kinds of people involved. Um, there's more ways to win and lose. There's there's less there's still politics in it and it's it's getting it's had its bits of corruption, but it's not as corrupt as boxing yet. Yeah. And so yes. there's <laughs> Yeah, but so I mean there, there's some very interesting stories there. So that was automatic. I was always interested, and I trained in Muay Thai and in kickboxing, and I've you know done some other stuff, some boxing. So that, to me, seemed like great material. But the other drive was writing about a community or kind of people that aren't really represented. And, um, you know, it, it, most can, Canlet's trying to get a little bit more diverse, but right. even, you know, even where I'm from, it's not a very diverse place. Right. Um, there are mostly white people and some First Nations people and Métis people because it's up uh, near Beausoleil First Nation. So there is an interesting environment there. There's a bit of diversity, but mainly it's just a lot of rural people just trying to make it through the day. And there's not a lot of work there, all, all, those, all those kind of things. So um, I was just trying to write about people that aren't really represented in Canada in these areas where there's not a lot of work and it's rural and people are sort of, you know, it's cottage country. People use it as a place for reflection or somebody will go up there and discover themselves or, you know, bounce, you know, who are, who are they compared to these people? Yeah. It just becomes a, they become tools for this discovery. And I didn't want to write people like that. There's a lot of people from these places all over Canada, all over the United States and elsewhere in the world who have stories and are facing this every day. And I just didn't want to use them as, as sort of a tool. And you've been working on this for a long time. So you wrote this and then put it away for like a couple of years for some time, right? I, I started writing it in, I think, 2009. I planned it and I, I plot things out point by point the whole way through. And then I started... Even right up to the end? Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, generally. And, and so I had this one all planned. I started it years ago and then I'd rewritten it um, I, I got an agent based on another novel that will never exist. And then uh, th this one was one that she tried to sell. And I had a few stories come out. I was short uh, finalist for the Journey Prize, which is our, uh, um, one of the most prestigious short story uh, competitions in the country. And so after that, we thought I, I rewrote the book for her and I hoped that we'd be able to sell it. And we couldn't. And then she later quit the business and I ended up rewriting it a couple more times before it's gotten to this point. So it's a, it's the same book. It's the same bones of the book, but I and the same sort of plot and everything. But my writing improved over the years as I published more stories, and that led to the book I have now. Is writing like a muscle that the more you use it, the stronger it gets? Absolutely. I mean, there's the thing that I I like to tell people. I've unfortunately for this kid, I just mentored somebody for the Guelph MFA. Um, and you just got to sort of demystify the process for right. people. It's a job. So some, there are, you know, people think there's magic or something that happens sometimes when you've put in the work yeah. and you'll have bits of that as you go. Like for me, if I plot something out and I go from place to place and I put in my hours, sometimes something interesting happens in the process. But the idea that you're going to, you know, 
just have this inspiration and you've got your candles burning and you're going to write one perfect... I mean... Yeah, if you waited, if you only wrote when inspiration hit, yeah. you'd never write. Yeah, and I don't do that thing. I don't write a thousand words a day. I don't have these yeah. benchmarks. I, I mean, some people that works... John Irving yeah. throws hundreds of pages away. Yeah. yeah, it's that's not my style. I usually focus on sentence by sentence and I don't move on from a sentence till I'm happy. Yeah, me either. But um, but that would drive some people nuts. So it's just it's just your process. But for me, it's how much focus time I can get in the writing. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a magical process. It's work like everything else. And even thinking about the work and going through it in your head over and over and revising, all that stuff's important. So um, I, I think that's part of it is you, you understand that you're doing something weird that's, it's, you know, it's, it is art and it does have some sort of importance in that way, but it's also a job and you, you have to approach it like a craftsman. You have to approach it um, you know, like you're building a table. Like, and then if you do that, people always ask me if you're afraid you're going to write something bad. Well, I might not get what I, what I want necessarily perfect, but I'm not going to make a bad table. Like a carpenter's right. not going to make a bad table. <laughs> you know, you, there's going to be four legs. Yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> it might look different in the end or not be exactly what you want, but it's not going to be fundamentally terrible. So right. that, you know, gives me a bit of a confidence. And I think that's fair. I think that's something some writers lack. And I, I think demystifying the process helps you get to that point. I think so too. And uh, I had Lyndon McIntyre in here a couple of weeks ago. His new book is called In the Only Cafe. And uh, he's he's a good writer. He's a really strong uh, novelist. And, and he said, you know, if, if you set out, if you get up in the morning and go, I'm going to write a book today, you'll just go right back to bed because it's such an overwhelmingly giant uh, thing, undertaking. But I told him a story, and I love this. There's a movie called Patterson that came out uh, last year. Adam Driver stars as a poet who uh, is only writing for himself, writing these, always scribbling down a line here and there, writing these uh, things. And then something terrible happens to his notebook, and he's devastated. And he goes for a long walk, and he meets this man in a park, and they sit and they chat for a little while. Turns out the guy's a poet visiting from Japan. They talk for a little bit. And at the end of their conversation, this doesn't give anything away but the end of the movie, uh, he gives Adam Driver a, a blank book and says, every page in this is a possibility for you. And I just love that. I love the idea that every blank page is a possibility. It's, 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 it is the beginning of something, if you want it to be. It also teaches you to get a MacBook and back up your files. Okay. <laughs> if you, if, if, if you, if See, you, it was such a touchy, great story. Yeah. Until... Well, I mean, again, I mean, but it's like Wonder Boys, and this whole book, book yeah. blows away into the river. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's nice to have a notebook, but you got to back that up. Yeah. <laughs> the book is called In the Cage. Uh, it's a novel by Kevin, Car Kevin Hardcastle. Heaven card castles is a good pseudonym for you maybe I'll, i can use that for my crime stuff <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> for my horror books uh and it will be in stores on september 12th you will no doubt uh be seeing glowing reviews about this everywhere the globe and mail did a piece on you a couple of weeks ago and things are uh things are, are looking very very good for this book so congratulations on it. it's been a long journey thanks very much what was it like getting that box we just have a minute left what was it like getting the box of books when they arrived at your front uh, your front door um it was it was pretty cool i was actually i was i was coming home and i knew they were going to show up that day and then i might i was sitting outside waiting for them um just because so canpar didn't take them to some post office yeah. that i could that i had to walk eight miles to right. and um my editor called because he'd just gotten his copy so he was talking about it and it turned out nice and thanking me for the acknowledgments and whatnot yeah. and then the guy showed up right as right as i was talking to my editor so it was perfect and then i got to you know sit there with it for a little while and 
look at it and have that anticlimactic moment where you're like, oh, man. <laughs> no, but it is good. They did a really good job. I'm really happy with it. And, and um, yeah, I mean, then I got to work on another one. But uh, yeah. for now, it is a nice it is a nice moment when you get it at first. And, and then, you know, I've just arranged them in different ways, taken different pictures. <laughs> That's right. Put them on the internet. Kevin Hardcastle, good guy and a good book. It's called In the Cage, in stores right now. Joe Wright, you know his films, Pride and Prejudice, Atonement, Hannah, worked with Saoirse Ronan quite a few times. His new film is called Darkest Hour. This is a look at Winston Churchill from about May 10th, 1940, about a year into the Second World War, till the evacuation at Dunkirk really got underway. So late May, early June, 1940. It's a compressed story about a man who stood up and resisted bigotry, totalitarianism. When everybody else wanted to negotiate with Hitler, he said, nope, the only way we're going to win this is through war and resistance. As it turns out, he was right. He changed not only the course of the war for Britain, but I think probably history for the world. This is Joe Wright talking about his film, Darkest Hour. When you were speaking at the very beginning of it, uh, you said we're living through uncertain times and yet um, you feel optimistic. And then you said because it's resistance and protest that give you hope. This is a historical movie based on true events that happened 70, you know, more than 75 years ago. And yet it feels really timely. Yeah. That's an accident of history, I guess. <coughs> it is, is. It, is it the resistance that makes it feel so timely? I think so. I think the fact that um, I think the fact that he was willing to, you know, Churchill got a lot of wrong th things wrong in his life. Um, but in this particular instance, in this context, in, with this enemy. He understood the perils of um, totalitarianism and Nazism and bigotry and hate, and he resisted. Um, and uh, and I think um, we are living in a society uh, now that um, that would not be the same were it not for his resistance. And so I think that's really important to to remember. And I think. Um, uh, you know, to, to, to fight back, really, um, and to look outside of our important but, uh, domestic concerns uh, and to look at the kind of, um, at, at our global domestic concerns, if you like. But I think to do that, though, you have to have more of a sense of community than we seem to have. We seem to live now in the age of the individual. Mm. I don't like what you said. I am outraged. I believe that all news is fake. I believe that I, you know, yeah. it, as opposed to the Dunkirk spirit, for yeah. instance, you know, that we that we see in your film, uh, where you know people uh, jump in their boats. One guy brought a canoe 26 miles across the channel. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's a sense of community that I don't know exists so much now. I don't know. I mean, to be honest, I think that, you know, community has changed in the way it expresses itself. Yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, they're always going to be kind of haters and trolls and all of that crap. But, but what I see happening around me, you know, 
uh, is real resistance and real community. You know, the response um, from governments uh, is often um, lacklustre, and um, uh, but the people. Um, are getting together and fighting back, and you know, and I think that's um, that does make me optimistic. So why because why be you know? I mean, you have a choice. You can either be pessimistic or optimistic. Yeah. And I would much rather be on the side of optimism because you know, if I'm wrong, then I'm just wrong. Uh, but uh, at least I've at least I've tried and believed. Mm-hmm. Why has Churchill seemed to have sort of had a renaissance lately. I mean, between The Crown, uh, a Brian Cox movie, which I think was just called Churchill a little while ago. Um, he's around again. He's in popular culture. He never really went away, I suppose, but he's he, he seems to be represented more. And now we have this film. Why do you think that is? I've no idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really don't know. It's, yeah. an odd, it's a very odd thing. You know, when we started, when I started work on this movie uh, in 2016, um, uh, I... Um, you know, the only, really the only one, Churchill, that I had in mind was Albert Finney's um, Gathering Storm, which was uh, brilliant. Um, that was the only one I'd seen. It had been made more than a decade ago. Um, uh, it felt like, um, uh, you know, we weren't aware of the, the Brian Cox movie. We weren't aware of Dunkirk. We weren't aware of The Crown. The Crown hadn't come on yet. Um, so, uh, so it felt like it was, you know, um, uh, uh, quite, a, and it didn't feel topical at all, you know. Um, and then suddenly, the events of 2016 um, uh, happened, and and this wave of topicality kind of came and um, uh, and overcame, you know, the film, and 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 that's been really exciting, you know. The film is way funnier than I would have imagined a, a, a film about the, the, the events of May 1940 to be. Uh, was that... Especially when it's called Darkest Hour. Yeah, yeah. Dark, yeah. And, and we were calling it uh, The Lightest Darkest Hour. Uh, <laughs> um, is that uh, a reflection of sort of the Churchill that we don't normally see reflected on screen? Yeah. You know, a, a more personal portrait of a man? Yeah, I mean, I think Churchill was a very funny individual and I think that um, anyone you read who you know was with him from his secretaries to his bodyguard to the you know politicians who were working with him all talk about his humor it's one of the it's one of the, seems to be one of the overriding characteristics of his um, personality um, and I think it was a, I think like all of us probably it was a kind of defense mechanism a coping mechanism rather so that um, when uh, you know and, and often you know there's a reason why sex and death seem to be the main sources of humor because they help us deal yeah. with things that might otherwise cause us anxiety. Well, the, the, a line to me that sums up that thought is when he has his family around with him and they all make the toast and yeah. say, uh, let's hope I don't bugger it up. Or whatever yeah, the yeah is. exactly. He, he's faced with 
a challenge with 300,000 lives that, that, yeah. that sit in the balance. And well, he more. Makes a joke he, yeah, it. yeah. I mean, well, he's, 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 he's faced with the, with the protection of not only the British Isles, but um, uh, a moderate uh, parliamentarian um, ideology um, against totalitarianism, bigotry, and hate. You know, um, uh, his. Um, his foe was was probably the most um, terrifying uh, adversary that, that that we had ever encountered. Um, so uh, so the stakes were very very high. Find uh, or finding a balance with the humor and the gravity of the situation. Can you speak a little bit about that in working with Gary Oldman? Um, yeah, I mean, we wanted to make sure it didn't turn into kind of Carry On Churchill. <laughs> Not that I, you know, I love the Listen, Carry On I would movies. Watch that yeah, movie. <laughs> um, uh, Carry On Camping, I think, is my favourite. Um, uh, but, but. <clears throat> So there were gags in there that we that we did cut because we felt like okay we've got to be careful that it doesn't just become a kind of gagathon. Um, uh, and and in a way the the film starts much lighter yeah. and then slowly um, as as events unfold um, becomes um, uh, more and more grave. Um, uh, but um, so yeah, it was a it was a tonal tonal balance. To me the the, 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 the changing point, the shifting point, uh, and I called it the the, the red light speech. The yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you cut to the bombing of France, and as the camera pans along, it turns into a young dead yeah. boy's face yeah. with the red eyes. It's yeah. a fantastic, sobering image uh, because it's one of you know Hitler's nameless, yeah. in some ways faceless victims. Yeah. Uh, but it's so it, it's it beautifully. It took me a moment to realize what I was looking at yeah, as, it came, as, as the camera yeah, comes yeah. along. That is the turning point for me uh, when you suddenly uh, are shocked into uh, realizing the implications of every decision he makes, you know. Well, when he doesn't start to speak right away and they're yeah. like, okay, four, three, two, and yeah. then there's, and, and then he, you know, he becomes, yeah. he, he, he seems to summon that, that whatever inner, whatever it is that you need to do yeah. that, yeah. all of a sudden shows up. But it's interesting as well because, you know, for me that, I'm not sure, you know, at that point he's lying to the people. Right, yeah. And, and that's a, a really difficult um, question uh, that he faces and, uh, and one worth asking of ourselves and of our leaders. Is it, is it right that, that we, you know, that our leaders um, hold back the truth from us to protect us, like a parent, yeah. really? Yeah. Um, personally, I'm not sure that it is. I mean, I'd rather know. It's an economy of scale, right? Yeah. right? It's, it's, you know, it's okay to say, well, you know, to, to not tell the truth about Santa Claus. Yeah. But it's not okay to tell larger lies to... Yeah, to yeah, yeah exactly. And I think that's, you know, I mean, I, th I think one of the problems... I find in contemporary politics is the infantilization of the populace, you know, um, uh, that's really dangerous um, and might well um, uh, be the cause of a lot of um, our contemporary challenges. In, in, in 
in any country, in your yeah. country, in, yeah, in America, yeah, yeah, not here so much. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, when you know, when the Brexiteers went around saying that that we were sending three hundred thousand uh, pounds. Uh, to Europe every week that could be spent on the NHS. Yeah, yeah. That was a lie. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, uh, and yet um, uh, the populace uh, wanted to believe it and then gobbled it up. You know, and that was a that was a, a prime case of infantilizing the public. That's our time. Okay. Thanks so much. Nice Thank to you see very you much indeed. Yes, Lovely uh, to see you. Nice to see you. Joe Wright, Darkest Eye. We're expect to hear about this around Oscar time. I think Gary Oldman has a really good shot at either a nomination, very possibly a win. It's tremendous work from him. Well, that's it. That's all the time there is. We are done for another episode of The House of Krauss. Thanks to Kevin Hardcastle for coming by, for Joe Wright for sitting in a noisy cafe with me and chatting for a few minutes. Uh, but most of all, as always, thanks to you for swinging by. Uh, we couldn't do this without you. Otherwise, it would just be like screaming into the void every week with no one out there to hear these conversations. So we're so happy to have you come by. Be sure to come by next Monday. We put up a new episode every single week. Uh, you never know who's going to stop by for a visit. And who knows? It might be one of your favorite people. So you don't want to miss that. Come back and see us again. 